Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Good morning. It is my privilege to bring the word to you today and uh, see what happens. We had a great camp. I want to thank all those who uh, labored, who were, who were counseling. And uh, John, I want to thank you for driving the bus up, Rebecca for being up there, and so many of you. We had... Uh, we were able to get two, uh, not new buses, but new buses to us. And we were, they were sitting right over here. And uh, we were transported 96 kids in those buses. So, and I thank God that, that for those of you who don't know, my, my dad was a bus driver. And I have always dreamed of having buses for the church to transport our own kids. We were spending thousands of dollars a year to rent buses. Why not have our own? And so we're, we're actually strategizing as to how to bring people from all over the valley to church on Sunday with buses. And... And do that for CYA and for youth, etc. So it's, it's going to be good. Well, I have a lot to do in a short amount of time. So um, let's pray. Father, we're just believing for divine impartation and outpouring today as we share the word of the Lord. Lord, I ask that uh, you would open our hearts, open our minds, uh, bend us to you, Lord. And may we be ever changed as we listen to the word and are challenged by the spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Part of my message today is uh, R-rated. Uh, not in a bad way, just it's rather descriptive. And in a few minutes I'll share that. I want to review just carefully uh, we're living in fascinating, interesting days. Uh, we serve a God. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. We serve a God of times and seasons. And God does things in his time and his season. But if you look back on history, God has various ways he does things. And God likes numbers. Uh, God likes to do things in order. He's a God of order. And it's fascinating, throughout the Bible, they would find God's code and they would apply it. Jeremiah found out what God was up to when he looked in, in previous books and found out that the children of Israel were to be in, in Babylon 70 years. And he looks at his clock and says, wow, it's 70 years. And sure enough, they were taken back to Jerusalem. Same thing happened in Egypt. Now, I've talked about this. The same thing is happening around the world today. 
the world is in flux. The world is, is finding itself in, in difficult uh, straits. And it's up to the church to arise and be salt and light. The world's not going to fix itself. The government's not going to fix us. It's the church that's going to fix us. It's Jesus Christ through us. And we have to understand that we've been in an eschatological problem for the last 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years in which we've just been trying to get out of here. You know, just rapture us, Lord. You know, just get us out of here. Just really, it's really hard living down here. We just need to be with you. And that's not how God thinks. God put us here for a purpose. Yes, he's going to come and get us. We understand that. I, you know, I, I've studied eschatology deeply and I understand that. But while we're here, we're supposed to be uh, here with the purpose to be salt and light and to flavor what is happening. Salt preserves, light exposes. And I'm telling you, we need a lot of exposure today. And so I'm here to tell you that uh, I believe God wants the church to arise and expose. How do we do that? Well, by doing what we do. We, 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 we worship, we obey, we do the things that God wants. And we believe that God is going to come and, and uh, bring revival in the last day. And I am going to speak a little bit on revival today. And I want to uh, just repeat what I've been saying. I believe my generation is almost, is kind of like a, a time stamp on what God is attempting to do. And I'm going to explain that in, a, in the next few minutes. But as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, we had the wonderful uh, situation where our Supreme Court stepped up and uh, abolished Roe v. Wade. Now... That doesn't eliminate abortion, but it sends it back to the states. But it does eliminate it for the federal government, which is a big deal. And uh, I'm not here to give you a, a, a civics lesson. Uh, maybe I'll do it while I'm preaching. But uh, 50 years have gone by, and God works in 50-year increments because that's the year of Jubilee. Uh, it says in, in Leviticus 25.10, you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty. Liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. And each of you shall return to his possession. Each of you shall return to his family. In other words, God wipes away debts. God wipes away all those things that have, have held us back. Slavery, etc. And he says, I'm here to give, bring liberty. Now, I'm telling you, liberty has come when Roe v. Wade hit in, in uh, uh, June 24th, which was three days after the summer solstice. Uh, you have to understand, this is fascinating. God's year always starts in Rosh Hashanah, which was September something, 6th or something of last year. His year started. God doesn't do it in our year time span. But then nine months goes by. Isn't that interesting, nine months? Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Birthing, yeah. gestation period. And almost exactly on the very day that the birth would come, nine months later, Roe v. Wade is removed. Wow. Now, on that day, now this is just how God thinks, so you have to understand that. On that, on that day, because it was 50 years, basically the year, because it started in 71, Roe v. Wade, 71, 72, and 73 were the three years that, it, that they were debating it. 
50 years goes by, that's my generation, 50 years, and 50 years goes by and we see a jubilee. Now I'm here to tell you that because of how God thinks and works, we're, we have now entered a year of jubilee. No, I just, come on, you gotta stay with me here. It started uh, on, on that June 24th, and I think God's face was turned away from us while we, while we killed 63 million babies. I'm gonna discuss this, I'm, I'm gonna be real blunt with you, okay, can I? 63 million babies were killed in America. Now that's not, that's not considering the whole world. Now, I'm not here to, to indict you know, people who had abortions and the, the enemy just deceives all of us. And we need to have compassion. That's why we need to really support those who were, who were uh, pregnant and uh, you know, uh, the, the pregnancy centers. And, and Josh, I'm proud of you. Josh is on the, the, the uh, base today and he works uh, for a pregnancy center and I'm just really proud of him and others who have given their lives to do this kind of thing. But 50, 50 years has gone by and now Jubilee has come. Yeah. Now, how do I know that? Well, <laughs> this is just coming to my mind right now. Chris and Kelly have been out, out of a house for nine months. Friday they signed for a house. Nine months. And so now they're going to enter their time of Jubilee. I, I'm just telling you, God works it out in all of us. So some of you have been, you know, it doesn't, God works custom things for each one of us. And I, I'm telling you, there is, there is a move of God because as Roe v. Wade was reversed, I believe that God actually turned his face towards us. Now, not just us personally, the whole nation. And 50 years have gone by. Roe v. Wade, I believe, is the linchpin for God to begin to do things in America we have not seen probably in our lifetime. Because I'm here, I'm here, those of you who are my age, we are here, and we have lived our whole adult life with this curse. It's a curse, it has been a curse on our land. We are going to start seeing, I believe, the prophetic hand of God once again turn and begin to move America towards its intended purpose. We saw in the last 50 years, we saw the rise of, I'm, I'm just telling you what the Bible says, it's the rise of the harlot. I don't, I don't have to, I don't want to get into all the revelation things, but the rise of the harlot. The seven mountains of, of that are for culture, uh, the seven mountains in government and business and all the different, the seven mountains, uh, church, etc. they were all overtaken and began to be occupied by the harlot. And we sat here in a sense and we're kind of in a trance or in, in, in deceived mode. We didn't realize what was happening behind the scenes. And so what had happened, the harlot has been at full strength and taken over in all the different areas of the world and their agenda. Now what has occurred, now I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get blunt with you. Yeah. We have people in office who are of the harlot. Yeah. And it's around the world. We're not talking about politics anymore. It is not a Republican-Democrat situation. It's not independent, it's not uh, any of them. It's good and evil. And anybody who does not stand up for God 
and actually begins to promote evil intenses uh, outside of the word of God and his principles is evil. I don't care where you're at in government. And President Biden, if you continue to do what you're doing, you will find the hand of God against you. I pray for his salvation. I do. And because of that, we, we all need to, uh, to believe that God is going to save those who are incriminating themselves and representing the harlot. I'm just being blunt with you. Uh, and we find them. I find them right now. Many of those who are leading uh, in these mountains and in government, etc., they're very, they're very arrogant. But the Bible says pride goes before a fall. And we're entering a fall, a fall season. I'm just throwing out some things that you might uh, see thoughts that you might uh, think about. And they don't fear anything right now because they seem to control everything. But I'm telling you right now, the earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. And God will, God always came. Look through the Bible. What happened to Dagon when God showed up? What happened to the Amalekites when God showed up? What happened to the Amorites when God showed up? You know, you start going through scripture, you, you, uh, you accuse God of things and you come against God's ordained principle because this creation is God's. It's not the devil's and God will, will his justice is slow but is sure. And so I believe over the last 50 years, God's anger has been kindled and he is about ready to do what he always does and he will correct things. He will correct things. And our, our job is, is, is not to judge, it's to pray, it's to intercede, is to believe God for his intended righteous purpose to be done in America. And I appreciate the song we just sang, Heal Our Land. Lord God, heal our land. So we pray, we intercede, we stand as God's representatives, as his prophets and priests, as his kings, and we declare the word of God. Because Roe v. Wade was overturned, now God do other things and overturn other things. God showed us his favor, and now I believe that uh, uh, God is going to show great and intended favor to us. Now you have to understand, I have, I'm sorry, I have so much in my mind. You have to understand, Satan tries to counterfeit God's, God, even the way God worships. What was, what was the key ingredient to our worship? It was the sacrifice of Jesus through his blood. Do you know what sustains the devil? Human sacrifice. And it has been through the blood of our babies, primarily. And what he does, it sustains him. And therefore, when you reverse his sustaining strength and no more sacrifices being done, he is weakened. Now, I'm just telling you, I know some of you may be a little shocked at what I'm saying today, but I'm telling you, the witchcraft of the enemy is now being sawn asunder. And we are now going to see, we're now going to see the hand of God once again on America as he turns back to us and he begins to interrupt the evil that is here. What we must do, what we must do is, is not be deceived, see what the truth is, because Matthew 24 says in the end time, the greatest thing that will come against us is deception. 
We must stand true to the word and stand true to the spirit and, and not give in to the, to the, uh, uh, all the different accusation things of the world and the, uh, God's going to wake people up. He's not going to woke us up. He's going to wake us up. I'm sorry. I'm just hitting everything I can today. So there's a, it's a little statement I use. I believe Satan over the past, because of all of the harlotry that has occurred over the last 50 years, because he's had his way through Roe v. Wade and other incidences, uh, he has taken off his mask and he has revealed who he really is. There's, a, there's a, an interesting book out called Thomas Cahill's How the Irish Saved Civilization. It's a history of St. Patrick and Irish monks transformed, how they transformed medieval Ireland and rescued literature during the Middle Ages. It reveals the stark contrast between biblical culture and a satanically controlled one. Because primitive Ireland, now history always repeats itself. It's a circular. And it repeats itself. Primitive Ireland was filled with witches, wizards, sexual filth, human sacrifice, and hideous aspects of depravity because Satan dominated the levers of culture. Sound familiar? Life was ugly, it was vicious, and it was lewd. Gregory Boyd, a, a famous author, said of that, that uh, culture, he said, the world is a spiritual battle zone, which is why it looks that way. Now, I want out, out of Thomas Cahill's book, I want to take a paragraph because it's all I can, I can handle. Because he, t he takes and descriptively talks what happens. Now, this is the R-rated portion of this program. I'm sorry, those in line, uh, you can turn it off if you want, but it's, it's descriptive. So stay with me, okay? I, I quote, the Irish, like all the Celts, stripped before battle and rushed their enemies naked. The Romans in their first encounters with these exposed warriors were shocked and frightened. Not only were the men naked, they howled. It seemed possessed by demons, so outrageous were their strength and verse. The Irish heroes were aware they became possessed when confronted by the enemy and their appearances would alter considerably and they called this phenomenon, phenomenon the warp spasm. This is how it appears. The warp spasm seized a man and made him into a monstrous thing, hideous and shapeless. His shanks and his joints, every knuckle and angle and organ from head to foot, shook like a tree in the flood or reed in a stream. His body made a serious twist inside his skin. His face and features became a red bowl. His mouth weirdly distorted. His cheek peeled back from the jaws until the gullet appeared. His lungs and liver flapped in his mouth and throat. His lower jaw struck the upper, a lion-killing blow. And in this great carnage, he slew 130 kings, as well as an uncountable horde of dogs and horses, of women and boys and children, and the rabble of all kinds. Not one man in three escaped. Hideous. No wonder the Roman Empire fell. Demonic hordes overran it. But not in post-5th century Ireland where Patrick and his successors, I'm quoting now, 
shine the light of Jesus Christ into enough human hearts to transform their island nation with truth and goodness. Eventually, Europe became light-filled with a biblically-based civilization because of Renaissance and Reformation, which gave rise to the United States of America, which is only the second nation in history to be founded on God. Only two nations, Israel and America. Now you can, you can argue all you want with me, but I got you on this one. I got the documents to describe it. America is founded on God. Therefore, America is calling it back, or God is calling America back. And he's in the process, as Satan has unmasked himself, God is gonna show himself powerful in behalf of America. But we've gotta stand and do what God has called us to do. And today, the devil, in many ways, in the same way back in, during the time of St. Patrick, and incidentally, uh, you probably don't know this, but uh, um, my grandson, Declan, uh, Garrison and Tracy's little boy, is named Declan. Declan was a, was, a, uh, was a monk in Ireland during the same time as St. Patrick. And uh, his name means, Declan's name means a man of prayer. And Declan in Ireland helped change Ireland as much as St. Patrick did. It's an interesting story. And today the devil has taken his mask off in Western nations and in America. And he's trying to howl again. He's showing the West his true nature because his true nature is a destroyer. He's a destroyer. Jesus himself explained it in John 10.10. 10. He said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly or to the full. And when he spoke that, Jesus spoke that, he spoke of Lucifer. Lucifer, in Revelations 9, 11, one of the demonic archangels, Lucifer, his name, Hebrew name is Abaddon. And in the Greek language, it's called Apollyon. And they both mean destroyer. Satan is a raging destroyer of people and nations and cultures. He's destroying. Uh, how else can you say it's demonic? Yesterday I saw a viral vi video of a girl in front of the White House saying, I love to kill babies, I love to kill babies, I love to kill babies, as they protest the removal of abortion. How else can you say it but that it's demonic? It's demonic. And we as the church must stand. I, 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 I hope I shake you up a little bit today. I'm sorry it's a little R-rated. But I think we need to stand as the church, stand in righteousness and peace and joy, stand in prayer and opposition to everything the enemy does, not in anger, but in, in love, for God has put us here for such a time as this. And it's time to arise. And it's time to, to stretch out our, our prayer life. It's time to do what, what the enemy, uh, uh, has, to come against the enemy and all of his works because I believe that we're in a day of God's power. Yeah. And so I want to reflect on that a little bit. I want to move into what I want to say today. Are you following me? Yeah. And so I believe God is about ready to erupt in, in, in situations and ways we've never seen. It's going to be a day of God's power, not of in, the enemy's power. Yeah. 
And the, the, the beginning has already started because Roe v. Wade fell. And now we're going to see other things begin to fall because God is up to something. And God will not be stopped. If God be for us, who can be against us? Wow. So I, I'm here to, to proclaim today, we're about ready to see revival. In fact, it has started. Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter three says, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God, God came and his glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from his hand and there his power was hidden. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and startled the nations and the everlasting mountains were scattered. Their perpetual hills bowed. His ways are everlasting. This is a demonstration of revival when God shows up. Revival basically is, is essentially is a manifestation of God. It's God coming down. It has the stamp of deity on it. Even the unregenerate are quick to actually recognize that God is in it. Amen. Revival must of necessity make an impact upon the community. Yeah. Yeah. Revival without making an impact on community truly isn't a true revival. And so the God of the Old Testament saints and prophets was the God of revival. We see that I, this, one of my favorite scriptures, Isaiah 64, one says, though that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things for which we did not look to, you came down and the mountains shook at your presence. I'm telling you, mountains are getting ready to be shaken. True revivals have always been marked by powerful and often widespread outpourings of the Holy Spirit. Acts 10.44 says, The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. David Brainerd, of those of you who knew him or have heard of him, was uh, among the American Indians in 1745. He said this. He was ministering to him. He died at a very early age, about 28, because he was, just, he was taken to the Indians and just gave up his whole life. This is the power of God seemed to descend upon the assembly like a rushing mighty wind and with an astonishing energy bore down all before it. I could compare it to nothing more aptly than the irresistible force of a mighty torrent. Almost all persons of all ages were bowed down together. Now, I'm here to tell you today, I, I want to express this in both pers personal terms, biblical terms, and prophetic terms. I want to talk about, because God has been talking to me about the reign of God, about uh, water, about his presence being shown that way. And all through the Old Testament and New Testament, God represents his presence by water, by rain, by showers of blessing. Ezekiel 24, 30, 20, 34, 26 says, and I will cause showers to come down in their season. There shall be showers of blessing. Notice he says showers in their season. There are, there are appointed seasons for showers to come. So many people ask, well, where, where is this promised revival, Pastor Ken? Well, let's look at this. Isaiah 35, 1 through 7. It says, The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall blossom as a rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. They shall see the glory of the Lord. Now, notice, notice the metaphors in here. The, the, the desert, the wasteland, rose, blossoming, joy in singing. They shall see the glory of the Lord. This, so strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. 
Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb will sing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. Notice what we're saying here. It's, it's, it's all about water from heaven. The parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. This is revival. Water. Water. Isaiah 44, 3 says, For I will pour water on him who is thirsty, and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants, and my blessing on your offspring. John 7, 30, 37, 38. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink, and out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So, so the principle of revival is the personal thirst satisfied by the water of the Spirit results in an overflow of blessing. Acts 2, 17 says, And it shall come to pass the last day, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. So we have the, we have the metaphors of the pouring out of water and then the pouring out of the Spirit. Acts, or Joel chapter 2 refers to this. Acts 2.17 is quoting Joel chapter 2. It's, co it's quoting the pouring out of the Spirit. And then in Acts 3.19, interesting, uh, because I read this scripture. We actually talked a lot about this scripture in, uh, in Bible college. It says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord that he may send Jesus Christ. This is the order of revival. What is it? Repentance and turning to God, right? First thing, repent. Number two, seasons of refreshing from his presence. Then he releases the seasons of refreshing followed by the return of Christ. That is the order. And the promise of revival basically is seasons of refreshing before the return of Christ. God wants to send seasons of refreshing to the church. Come on, to, to nations. He wants to pour it out. Pour it out. Just like water being poured out, he pours out the Spirit. The Spirit and water are, are, very, are similar in God's mind. In Joel 2, when the people responded to the call of the Lord and returned to him with all their heart, then God would bless their land by restoring the former rain and the latter rain, that the floors shall be full of wheat and the fats shall overflow with wine, the vats shall overflow with wine and oil, and they would know that the Lord was in their midst of them. You always knew when the Lord was in their midst because refreshing would come. The, the former and latter rain would come into their, in, there would be a pouring out. The restoration of the rain and of the outpouring of the Spirit, which is to follow in Joel chapter 2, come within the space of six verses. The pouring out of the Spirit and the pouring out of, of the water and the rain. This means that the promise of the outpouring of the Spirit and the promise of the former and latter rain must both be taken literally. Meaning that there will be literal, literal rain and there will be literal outpouring of the Spirit. And there would be special seasons of rain to which the Jewish farmer, he looked to in order to obtain maximum fertility from the, from the soil. He, in, in other words, he wanted to be measured in full measure or restored in full measure as in the beginning. So afterward, these natural blessings were to be followed by their spiritual counterpart. In other words, showers of, of, of natural rain would come first and then followed by the pouring out of the Spirit. Are you with me? Yeah. 
Isaiah 66, 8. Shall the earth be made to give birth in a day? Or shall a nation be born at once? I'm here to tell you that God has started something at a moment of time. It's a day, a day, a day. We had a day of Roe v. Wade. It wiped away the past. God says that day is the day of beginning. It's a day of jubilee. It's a day of, of, of things happening that you would not even recognize. In Deuteronomy 11, 11. And I want, let me finish this first. So, because of, of this day, there would be the return of the former and latter reign, bringing abundant blessing to be followed by a glorious latter reign of the Spirit. See, in the farmer's, in the farmer's thinking, they had, they had early rains, which was the former reign, to get ready for planting and, and growing. Then the latter rain came just before the harvest to give it a, a fertility and a growth spurt. And so they have this former and latter rain thinking process as farmers, and now God is applying it to the spirit and to the spiritual world. And are you still with me? Deuteronomy 11, 11 says, but the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of heaven, a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season. The early rain and the latter rain. In other words, double anointing rain. That you may gather in your grain, your new wine, and your oil. In other words, God sends rain for harvest purposes. Naturally, spiritually. And he's about ready to do that. The latter rain was given to swell the grain and fruit in preparation for the time of reaping. It was the rain of ingathering. The Hebrew word for pouring out of rain is gishem, which meant gushing rain when talking about both the former and latter rain. It was gushing. Spiritually, before this age concludes, with the personal return of Christ, this is what I believe, we must expect the latter rain of promise or the gishem, the rain of ingathering. The outpouring rain. We should see a season of mighty outpourings eclipsing all that the church has experienced ever. James 5, 7. James 5, 7. Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it, which, which he says, for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. So he's likening. Here's God. He's trying to get our attention. He says, I'm giving you rain early and latter in the natural to show you a spiritual rain that's going to come in the spiritual outpouring of the spirit, the early and latter rain. You're in a Bible college setting right now, people. You, you got to catch this. So near the end of the age, we're going to see this. Zechariah 10.1 says this, ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. And the Lord will make flashing clouds and he will give them showers or geshem of rain. Now I gotta tell you a story. Reason why this hit me, a few weeks ago, remember we had Benny here? Yeah. Benny Perez is here? So after Sunday morning service, great Sunday morning service, God moved, we went out to eat and then he wanted to take a drive. So we're driving around the country, and it was Connie and I and, and Benny, and we saw a few drops on the, on the uh, windshield. 
He says, well, what's rain like here in Idaho? <sighs> then the drops got big. <laughs> uh, it was seconds, literally seconds. I, I, I basically said, well, when it rains here in Idaho, it usually pours. But it's not a long time. And I just said that and boom, the clouds broke. It was Sunday afternoon. It was what, four weeks ago or something? Sunday afternoon. It just, it just poured. And it, it got so bad, we, I couldn't even see to drive. I had to pull over and kind of wait. And, and it just, I said, that's what it does in Idaho, Benny. <laughs> Well, the Lord had been talking to me about something. I had just read, and I think I mentioned this to you. I had just read, just not, not very long before this, I had just read that in the Northwest, it is the most rain in the spring since 1948. We've had the wettest, uh, I don't know if it's spring or May, that it was a certain period of time that we've ever had. And it spoke of it in Portland and Seattle and here in Boise. And it was the most moisture we had had up to that day since 1948. Well, my brain, I start thinking about this. I, I go back and I realize that something happened in 1948 that most of you don't know about. There was a revival that happened in Canada in 1948. Now remember, first the natural, then the spiritual. Rain in the natural, rain in the spiritual. So this all just begins to do something in me. And I, I began to realize, because the Lord spoke it to me. He said, uh, well, I'm pouring out like I did in 1948. In 1948, it was called the Latter Rain Movement. Now, let me, let me just explain this to you. Some of those who have mentored me were actually in that revival. 1948, it started in a Bible college in North Battlefield, uh, Canada. And the pouring out of the Spirit came with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, came with worship. Like we, we do worship today and we don't even realize what, is, what has occurred and transpired over the last 40, 50 years. And this occurred, this went, revival came from 1948 to 1952, which would be 70 years ago. I'm not, I'm not trying to spook you here, but I'm trying to give you, because God is a God of times and seasons. And so I began to realize that everything we are now in this church was started in 1948 in the latter rain movement. Prophecy, prophetic, laying on of hands, worship. And then I, I, I was getting all this revelation. I turned to Connie and I, I, I actually went back and researched it. And all of my, my mentors, we all actually, we all came out of this. We are a result. And some of it we threw away because it wasn't good. But this came down to us and we are from that. This is us. There's a program on TV called that, isn't there? But I, I turned to Connie and I says, that's us. That's who we are. 
And the pouring out of the Spirit came, and I have friends that were actually in it. They were in that pouring out of the Spirit, went down into northern, northern America, and then it came down the I-5 corridor. And I have friends that started churches all the way down the I-5 corridor. Most of them are gone now. They're prophets and kings and priests and pastors who, who came out of that and began to pour into us. And I began to realize, that's us. We worship. We pray for people. We prophesy. We believe in the tabernacle of David. And those of you who don't know what that is, that's just God's re renewing and giving us a sign of what worship is. And all of these things that we practice, that we are a part of, that we believe in, came from that day. And I began to realize, if it happened in 48, and it's coming now through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Lord, let it come in greater fashion and form. Let it hit Capital Church. Don't get too excited on me here. I'm here to tell you, I think something's up. God is revealing, God, is, God is, is speaking to us because the purpose of revival, we see this all through history, the purpose of revival has always been to counteract spiritual decline. We got a spiritual decline problem in America. I mean, we have, I, I've been reading all the statistics. We have less people that attend church than ever before in America. We have less people that read the Bible ever before than in America. I'm, I'm here to tell you, I think God wants to restore his work in America. It counteracts spiritual decline because God works in times and seasons with extraordinary power. And the fruit of people will be touched in revival is usually more lasting because God just blows apart everything and they know they've been touched by God. Here, here's a good definition of revival the inrush of the spirit into a body that threatens to become a corpse. That which is leaning towards being a corpse and dead, all of a sudden God comes and he breathes life and he pours out his spirit. Instead of water he's pouring, yes, it's spiritual heavenly water that comes in us and it revives us and it gives us all the things that distracted us and took us away from God. It begins to refresh us and renew us and the, 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 there's, there's things begin to happen that we've never seen before. I can tell you uh, over the last 50 years what God has done in my life in specific times and seasons that corrected, that directed, that helped, that gave an impetus to my life that actually put me where I am now and you are a result of it too. God does the same thing with you. The second purpose of revival, he creates spiritual momentum. There's a concentration of force and it's a military principle. It causes breakthrough. So much force is given that breakthroughs come. God begins to open up. Uh, opportunities, Christian activities occur that never have occurred before. And it's the time of spiritual revival that most of the forward movements of the church have occurred. We need a revival. We need moving forward. Come on. And the primary, the primary effect of revival is the church awakens, casts off the works of darkness. I don't care if you may think you don't have darkness. We all got some. And it casts off the works of darkness that have blanketed us and caused us to come into a slumber. And she puts, the church then puts on the armor of light. Asleep, the church of Christ is impotent. Awakened, she clothes herself with spiritual strength. And the power that began to flow at Pentecost is inexhaustible. 
and is as much available now as then, but only to an awakened church. And as an awakened church, we can claim our birthright. We are people of Pentecost. We are people of these revivals of former times. And we receive it. During times of revival, God removes the initiative from Satan. And that's what's occurred in America. Satan has kind of taken hold. But God removes the initiative from Satan. Sin no longer stalks the land. And in tr- but it hides in fear. It is not unusual for so- social evils to be swept away in revival. And even industrial business problems are solved overnight. Every part of society is affected and the widespread indifference of the masses is a thing of the past. We should be thirsting for a revival. Let me do, I have to close. Uh, I got two or three more pages. I'm just going to. Well, when revival comes, there's the, it, it comes from heaven. It's spontaneous. It's not forced. It's not caused by outside forces. It is a result of divine in, uh, impulse. And the source of the revival blessing in Acts 2 was the windows of heaven, not the windows of the upper room. Seasons of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. God always told the Israelites to not go down to Egypt or lean on their understanding. We're not going to make revival up. God does it or God doesn't. And Egypt, the reason why he told them not to go down to Egypt, because he's telling them, don't, don't take the thinking of Egypt, because Egypt watered their fields with a simple device worked by the foot. And therefore, the supply of water was dependent upon human in, energy and ingenuity. You know, I think the problem in the Christian church in America is we've tried to do things by our own ingenuity and energy. And we're not relying on the Holy Spirit. The church is to be a land that drinks water of the rain of heaven. We're to drink from heaven. It's one thing to get the people out of Egypt. It's quite another to get Egypt out of the people. We need a heaven sent revival. Let me just give you a couple of instances and I got to close. Charles Finney in Antwerp, New York. A couple centuries ago. An awful solemnity seemed to settle upon the people. The congregation began to fall from their seats in every direction and cry for mercy. If I had had a sword in each hand, I could not have cut them down as fast as they fell. 1859, revival in Coleraine, Ireland. A boy was so troubled about his soul that the schoolmaster sent him home. An older boy, a Christian, accompanied him, and therefore they had gone, they had gone, they hadn't gone far. And he led him to Christ. Returning at once to the school, he said, Oh, I'm so happy. I have the Lord Jesus in my heart. Then boy after boy arose and silently left the room. The master found these boys ranged alongside the wall of the playground, apart and on their knees. Their silent prayer became a bitter cry. It was heard by those within who pierced their hearts. Their cry for mercy was heard in the girls' schoolroom. And in a few moments, the whole school was on their knees. And its wail of distress was heard in the street outside. Neighbors came by and came under the same convicting power and the whole city was turned upside down. 1858, American Revival. Ships as they drew near the American ports came within a definite zone of heavenly influence. Ship after ship arrived with the same tale of sudden conviction and conversion. 
In one ship, a captain and the entire crew of 30 men found Christ out at sea and entered the harbor rejoicing. Revival broke out on the battleship North Carolina through four Christian men who had been meeting in the bowels of the ship for prayer. One evening, they were filled with the Spirit and burst into song. Their shipmates were then gripped by the power of God and the entire ship was turned into a revival center. This happened over and over in history. I don't have time to delineate. This, this overwhelming sense of God bringing deep conviction of sin is the outstanding feature of true revival. And it is the birthright of every child of God to receive the anointing of the power of God for revival and to know that we have received it. The anointing is a dynamic experience. It was given to make them powerful and effective for God. That's why the Holy Spirit came. But we shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon us. And we will go and witness to the world. The anointing was a desired experience, but it was always for those who were thirsty. It was born out of a soul thirst. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink and I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. He didn't say hungry. He said thirsty. Thirst is a more intense desire than hunger. And with the spirit, thirst is the word that God uses to illustrate the desire that should characterize us. Are you thirsty for revival and for the Holy Spirit? I think we're there something's up. God is at work. And you might see the manifestation of the devil in many ways. I think his time is really limited. And we're going to see, and then watch, you watch. I prophesy this. You watch the next weeks and months. You watch what God begins to do. He's going to start turning things around. All over the world. But we have to be in prayer and, and call it into our, our family, our neighborhood, our towns, our city, our church. We have to say, Lord, it's, it's time. Lord, come. Do what only you can do. And you will see things you've never seen before. Now, as I close, this time goes too fast. As I close, can I, can I do this? I, I want to honor some people, and then I want to pray for something. Those of you that born, were born before 1970, I just want to commend you for standing strong in the midst of all your life, in many cases, being under the curse. If you were born before 1970, would you stand? This, I know this is gonna date you. <laughs> but I just wanna say thank you. Thank you for standing. Thank you for being visible. And, and thank you for, for standing for God in the midst of evil intent of the enemy. You made it, but we're not done. We're not done, God's not done. And I, I just feel like I wanna pray a, a, a brand new refreshing on you. Okay, this is probably about half the congregation here today. Uh, can I pray a, a refreshing on you, a renewal, a new sense of revival, a new expectation? Can, can I do that? Okay, just receive it. And those of you 
around them. Just stretch your hand towards them. Father, I release now in Jesus' name the power of the Holy Spirit on these your servants who have maintained their, their righteous stand in the midst of evil. And I pray right now that there would come an, an outpouring, a geshem of the Holy Spirit that would come and fall upon these your children. And there would be a new renewal, a new heart, a new determination, a new vision, a new hope. Lord, re revival would fall upon us. Showers of blessing would come from heaven itself. And we would begin to see the power of your name being represented in the earth. I pray that you would wash away evil. Lord God, with the prayers of the saints, with the prayers of these who have, who have stood strong, I pray a new refreshing, a new willingness to step forward, a new willingness to, to begin to pray as never before. I pray, oh God, that you would turn us into, into armies of prayer people. You would turn us into, Lord, prayer warriors that would declare the will of God. I pray that you would change our hearts for natural, from natural things to spiritual things. And Lord, you begin to burn in our hearts. You would burn deeply, oh God, and you would refresh these, your servants. Let God arise in them right now and let there come a, a renewed heart to do the will of God, a renewed uh, sense of your, of, of your hand upon us and a, and a realization that we are exactly where you want us to be. And I pray grace, grace upon them. And Lord, I pray that you would begin to empower them to witness like never before. Lord, they would have such, such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon their life. It would be like water pouring upon their heads. And wherever they are, whether it's work or in their car or in their home or visiting or wherever it might be, even in business places, you would begin to shine upon them. And they would begin to sense the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. And as they walk, uh, you would give them direction. You would give them prophetic moments and wise thoughts and direction that they would go to people and witness to them. And there would come an outpouring of the Spirit. We would see people fall to their knees in stores. We would see people fall to their knees in streets. Lord God, you would come and you would pour out and the Holy Spirit would do things that we've never understood before. Let this be the year of Jubilee, oh God. Let these, uh, the, the debts and the slavery be broken by the power of God. And let there come now a refreshing, a refreshing from, the, from heaven itself as we saw in Acts chapter three. We declare it, we decree it. Let the Holy Spirit now speak to us and renew us and get us ready for the home stretch. Get us ready for the home stretch. Lord, it's not how we start, it's how we end, it's how we finish. And I pray, oh God, a finishing spirit on every one of us. And you would renew us, give us new, new thoughts of, of how to serve you, what to do in this hour. We're not here to be apath apathetic and complacent. We're here to, to hear the word of the Lord. We're here to be active and, and uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit and do what you've called us to do. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Refresh these, your servants. Refresh them. Refresh them. Refresh them. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Those of you standing, if, if that prayer meant something to you, say, I receive it. Now, I want, I think we need to get up every morning. I told this to the, uh, to the high school kids. I think we need to get up every morning and say, Holy Spirit, I'm ready. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in me today? Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come on. I'm, I'm ready. Whatever you want to do. Can we do that? 
And, and let's see what God would do. And, and I don't know what God's going to do in the church. I, I don't know how he pours out. You know, he does things always different every time. I mean, I was in a setting one time. I was sitting about five or six rows back. And all of a sudden, this wave of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is true. Connie will verify it. Came and just swept over us and, and knocked us down. But the people behind us didn't get it. I reviewed the video. And the shape of who fell was in, the, was in the shape of an angel and his wings. I'm telling you this, I could tell you all kinds of stories, people. I'm telling you, God's getting ready for something. Can everybody stand? Let's get ready. I'm telling you, this is going to be a summer of things that we're just going to say, oh my word, look what you've done, Lord. I'm going to ask this question. Is anybody here, you, you kind of maybe walked away from God and you want to turn to God right now? And you're, you, you want to say, I, I want to be in this move of God. I want to be, is, is anybody like that? Just wave your hand at me right now. I want to pray for you. Anybody like that? Just, you, you just, uh, you came to church today and you're, you want to, I see one hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? See, anybody else? Just lift your hand. Just lift your hand. I, I see a couple of hands. Can I pray for you? I mean, this is a day to get to, to receive an, an encounter with God. Church, can you pray this prayer with me right now? Dear Father, I receive you into my life. I believe you're real. And I confess that you're now my Lord and my Savior. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth. Make me a brand new person. Cleanse me by the blood of Jesus. Place me in the house of God and let the refreshings of God flow over me. I receive you now. In Jesus' name. Now, church, lift your hands. Those of you, just lift your hands. Just receive a blessing. Father, I... I release an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I receive the Gisham. I release the Gisham. Lord, I release it into the house. I release it into these, your children, who have come to serve you. I believe that today is a day of, of renewal. It's, the, it's July 10th. And I release now an anointing upon Capitol Church, an anointing upon all of us that belong to this house. And we receive what you have for us. Let the Gisham of the Holy Spirit now begin in our lives. Let it affect our work. Let it affect our school. Let it affect our neighbors. Let it affect our family. Oh God, come in Jesus' name. Make a way in us, oh God. And Lord, let the devil be put to flight. God, let your enemies be scattered and let God arise. Lord, we receive it now in Jesus' name. We receive it. We, we lift hands, Lord. We receive the outpouring in the Gisham. Let it come in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.